Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network. I am your host, Casey Hudson, and joining me today is Tampa Bay Times' Ed and Cena to bring us some insight and hopefully get our emotions in check when it comes to this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Ed, how are you? Are you ready to dive on to this emotional roller coaster? Uh, yeah, I've been on it all year. That's uh, they've, they've taken us on quite a ride up and down, but uh, yeah, let's go. Good to be here. Yes. We're ready, and I'm ready to hopefully provide Bolds fans with some answers to the many, many questions that we have um, received on this roller coaster ride. But first and foremost, as y'all know, who follow Case in the League, we are sponsored and brought to you by Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info, including news for pro football the NBA, upcoming fights, and most importantly, the NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now, where the game starts, where do we start? We should probably start on a positive note, which is this explosive 7-4 to four victory over the Oilers last night. My mentions were popping off because I was a little excited by this victory, and people tried to humble me because they felt like it wasn't as much of a beating as um, we were announcing that it was because the Oilers, what, outshot the Bolts 57 to something, had 54 scoring chances on the night. The Bolts only had eight high-danger opportunities. What's your evaluation of this game last night as a whole? Yeah, so the way that I kind of approached it was that it, this was a game that the, the Lightning needed. You know, they needed to win in this kind of fashion. And it wasn't pretty by no means. It was, um, like you said, they were dominated in zone time. They were dominated in shots, shot attempts. I think the Oilers had something like 90, 89 shot attempts on the night. But this was a game where... They kind of like they've done all season. They've gone on this seesaw, whether it's, you know, period to period, sometimes even shift to shift. And, you know, we saw them get ahead. You know, that was really big for Steven Stamkos to get that that power play goal on, you know, really the first minute of the game to kind of get him feeling good. Obviously, that carried over as we saw later. But also, you know, they they, they lost that lead. That second period was you know, basically a disaster. And yeah. we've seen this team not really – be able to rebound from that in the third period. And not only did they rebound from it, but, you know, even in a situation where they were outshot still, you know, they, they had to capitalize on those few opportunities they had. I think the big thing was they weren't, they, this team has talked a lot about simplifying the game. You know, they're, they're so yeah. skilled. They're, they're so good at what they do that sometimes they try to do too much and, and they try to get too fancy. And I think, you know, what they did in that third period is they really just kind of got back to basics and, and then the skills come out. You know, we saw the, the Stamkos goal that is basically just a batted puck, you know, short side. We see the Kucherov play, which is obviously some dynamic skill there for him to stay with the puck, you know, keep his stick alive and, and get an edge on, on that rush. But, you know, I think what they did is, is they just kind of kept with, you know, with their, with just what they do well. And, and that's, you know, just taking advantage of their scoring opportunities, whether it's, you know, not many or, or many and, and shoot the puck, <laughs> shoot the puck. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just put pucks on net, get rebounds, keep possession, keep it in, in the offensive zone. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we saw last night. And, 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 you know, everyone talks about how, you know, the lightning have regressed and they're not the same team that they were, you know, two years, two, three years ago. And that's true. They aren't, but I think this group, even with all of this, the, the veteran leadership that they have, they needed a win like this. They needed something to kind of put on their resume to be like, listen, we came back from a game that we probably were out of that, you know, we, we didn't play as well as we should have. And we, we fought against a really good team. That's the hottest team in the league and, you know, came out and got two points. And maybe they stole two points, even though it's seven to four, a lot of, a lot could be said that they stole two points out of that, but that was a game that they really needed. And now the question is, can they continue to build on that, you know, moving forward, knowing that really they've been mostly inconsistent all year. Yeah, and you kind of just lead me into the most important question following a big 
um, win such as this. We saw this team a number of times this season show glimmers of being able to come back, but we also saw them compete against teams that were out shooting them, um, had more scoring chances, had more high danger opportunities. This kind of just tracks back to that Canes game and it was so enthralling to watch. It was, it was a confidence booster for Bolts fans. Then they just completely fell apart after that. Do we think that we're in for that all over again? I mean, they have Calgary, then they finally make it back home. How do they build off of this and and maintain? Like, this needs to be a bigger booster for them. To be able to stay in a game that you were technically outplayed in almost almost every element and aspect of hockey, they should be able to carry this into a victory a little bit more steady and, and simple. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's big to to carry this over into the Calgary game because they need to build some momentum on the road. They just haven't been able to do that, and that's something that they've really dealt with even dating back to last year all season yeah. long, just being a bad road team or not a consistent road team. You know, and, and then, you know, you look at the schedule. They've, they've, they've got some games that, you know, they have St. Louis. You know, they've, they've had their issues, obviously, just, you know, fired their head coach, um, you know, and Vegas, obviously, the defending cup champs, and then a lot of teams that they can kind of, gather points against, you know, and when you look at them in the standings right now, the, the pressure is on this team right now in December in a way that it hasn't been in, in recent years. And in, in the case that it, they, they need to accumulate points. And usually I, I wrote this earlier in the month is December is kind of the moving month for them. Is that this yeah. is, that's the year, that's the month when they really kind of find their groove and really kind of distance themselves from the pack. Now this year, the pack is still you know, all jumbled together. And that's probably good for them because no one's really distanced themselves. Even the even the top teams in the Atlantic, the Boston's, the you know the, the, the Toronto's, the Florida's, those teams haven't really distanced themselves from you know the rest of the pack too much. So the points are still there. Now, having said that, you know the Lightning have played a lot more games than a lot of teams that that they're you know competing against. So they need those points. You know, I think you know they're sitting right at 33 points. They're sitting right outside that last spot. I think right below them is the Capitals, but the Capitals have played five fewer games than them. So they'll have to like that that game on December 23rd is a really important game because they need those points against the Capitals because of those those games that, that, that a lot of teams within that mix that they're competing with have in hand. So I think that's really the big thing when you look at it is that and I, I do think from being in the locker room is that they do have this sense of urgency right now. They just need to have something deposit to build on. I think that, you know, there's been times in the season where they probably felt a little bit sorry for themselves. They felt like they deserved more. They felt like they wasted some opportunities whether that's offensively or defensively. And, you know, I think, you know, th- this is a big stretch for them, whether it's finishing off the road trip with with a good showing in Calgary or finishing through this month. Like I said, you've got that Capitals game. You've got um, you've got the Rangers coming in that night on New Year's Eve. So, you know, you've got some points in the East where you can kind of start taking some of those, you know, points back. You know, the Devils are another team that, that they're going to face a couple times in the next month that, um, you know, is also in the mix that's played fewer games than them. So, you know, you can kind of pick and choose. And you know, this, this is a big six-week stretch for them that's really honestly probably going to determine where, you know, where they really sit and how realistic, uh, you know, their playoff hopes are, which is weird to say because we really haven't had to think about that in January. And most of the times in January, they're already, you know, pretty much wrapped it up. And yeah. it's it's kind of just figuring out where they slot if they're going to play, you know, where, who they're going to play in the first round. But this is definitely a different year this year. Yeah, beyond a different year. And it's funny because fans, you know, some fans are still so stuck in the past two years. And then there's outside fans from, of course, other teams that are like, you guys have been so spoiled. And it's like, we know, I'm, I'm aware of it. Somebody had to remind me today. And I'm like, sir, I never said that this wasn't a spoiling situation. But you make a great point as to how crucial these um, next couple of weeks are going to be. And kind of leading into All-Star Week is where teams start to track where they're at and where they really need to pull through. Of course, last season, that wasn't the case. Come January, this was a playoff team. And then things kind of fell apart. Uh, let's kind of dive into the players and the Lions specifically, because the argument that I like to make when anyone tries to come for the Tampa Bay Lightning roster is that the talent is still there. And from the beginning of the season, they haven't had a chance to try to um, cement what their lines could potentially look like, or at least the consistency of their lines. You got game one, Tyler Mott comes out, and he was supposed to be a crucial piece in generating, you know, keeping the puck forward. He's a guy that shoots a lot. He could have helped in that category, and then he's gone. Then, in my personal opinion, I thought that that forced Connor Sheary to drop to the bottom six play more of a defensive role in his game, which that's not what he was paid to come over here to do, but it was helpful. Then when Tyler Mott comes back, Shiri goes out. 
And then you have this rotation in the AHL with guys who that's great that they're getting that experience in those minutes, but it doesn't help this roster. So what have you seen in terms of what you think Mott and Sheary and the new guys can bring to the table if the consistency can play out in them being in the lineup? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously injuries always happen, right? And and, and that's something that, that most teams have to face on a daily you know basis. But when you think of you know two guys you mentioned there, Sheary and Mott, these are guys who they brought in for a reason. You know, they brought them in. You know, Julian Breezeball told us when he signed them. You know, these were guys who were going to be strong four checkers, bring some speed to you know whether it's the bottom six or middle six lines. And really, the big thing where they wanted to improve on was be able to protect leads and and keep them in, in, in good you know in their own zone. And you know, you're right. And, and I talked a lot to Connor Sheary about you know he's a guy who needed to be comfortable and he never really got that comfort with a new team in a new system, who his line mates were going to be with his teammates, who he was going to skate with. And right when he got hurt, it was very bad timing for him because it seemed like he was starting to kind of find that, that comfort. And then again, Mott, another one, you know, game one, you know, there's no way that he's right. And, and, and so, you know, there's no way that he's in, in a comfort zone. So I think, you know, getting those two guys back is is going to be very important for them. And you know, lines change all the time, but th- there's no doubt. I do agree with you. I think they have the personnel to, to find the right mix. And, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, John Cooper is, is he doesn't hesitate to, to put him in a blender, but some of these combinations have been really interesting to see, you know, and then, and I'm not talking about, you know, the top line, you know what I mean? I think no matter who you put, with Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point, they're going to be okay. Whether that's Stamkos, Hagel, whoever, Mikey Isamont, whatever. But, you know, when you look at that second and third and fourth lines, you know, where you put in a guy like Mikey Isamont, where you put in Brandon Hagel, where you put in Tanner Janot, Shiri Mott, some of these guys who, you know, can really have elements to their game that I think can mesh well. I love um, Janot with Sorelli. You know, yes. I, I love that 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 tandem. I love. Mm-hmm. I I honestly like Steven Stamkos and Nick Paul together. You know, yes. Like, I, and 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 I I think Mikey Isamont's a guy who you know with, with his motor can pretty much play wherever and, and bring something to that line. So, you know, again, getting back to the simplification of the game that sometimes this team forgets to do, like some of these guys do that. That's what they do. They you know I know it's a cliche, but you know get pucks deep you know, <laughs> win puck battles and stuff like that. And that's really the way that eventually this team has to learn to win. You know, last night was great, you know, seven to four, you know, everyone's talking about it, you know, against the Oilers, how hot they were, you know, you, you know, you really essentially shut down McDavid dry yada, yada. Right. But essentially what this team is going to have to do is they're going to have to win games ugly and not ugly like they won last night, but ugly in the sense of winning two to one, three to two games. That's how they won Stanley cups. And those are the guys that can, that at least when they built this team are the guys who are supposed to be the ones that are going to help them do that. You know, whether that's, that, those are guys that are really going to create pressure on the forecheck or those are guys going to play well in their own end and, and really make it hard on other teams to score goals late. And that's the one thing that this team has really kind of struggled with early on is, you know, protecting leads, falling behind early, you know, stuff like that. And, and most of that stuff is, is a defensive zone, but I mean, this I think anyone in that room can tell you that despite all the skill and speed and everything that they have, that the bread and butter is really what they do on the forecheck, you know, and, 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 and so those are the guys that are part of that formula. So getting them out there and getting them back out there, like the lines are always going to change, I think, but you know, it, it could change, you know, week to week, day to day, like, and, and Cooper's never married to, to them, you know, he'll, he'll change them, you know, on a whim. And, and, and I kind of like it because, you know, I like seeing some of this experimentation that's going on right now. And, and you can see how some of these guys kind of feed off of each other. And like, guys, like I said, guys like, Jano, Isimont, those guys are, are great guys to kind of fuel lines, even though they're not the, the household names that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, but get, but going back to your original question, Shiri and Mott, important guys in this lineup, no doubt. Yeah. And you mentioned something really important talking about the four checking. I kind of felt like a team that used to be top of the league when it comes to four checking and a team that you didn't want to face when it came to four checking, it's kind of fallen off quite a bit. And I'm not sure if that's because 
of the rotation with with Ma and Shiri and the changeups with Hagel and Sorelli, or if it's just part of the whole, you know, identity finding journey that this team is on. But have you felt like the forechecking has just been kind of sparse when it comes to certain games or kind of consistently in playing a role in their losses? Right. Well, I think, you know, hockey is such a game of, of fluid 200 foot momentum, right? So when you're always playing on your heels, you can't, you, you like the forechecking yeah. part of it gets, you know, it just, you just kind of lose it. And I think they played on their heels so much, whether that's, you know, they go like, you know, last night we saw them go up and then there's something that happens where, you know, they get that, that quick goal, you know, that quick Edmonton gets that quick goal on the power play. And then all of a sudden you kind of, you like, you can see it on the ice, even like you kind of see them kind of tighten up and they kind of lose that aggressiveness. They kind of lose that pursuit that, that really makes them the, the team that, that they are combined with the skill. And, you know, before you know it, you know, they're down three, two going into the, the locker room, the second intermission. And, yeah, we've seen that before. Like it, I was joking on on you know social media about how I wonder how many people kind of just flip the flip the channel off because they're like, I've seen this show before, you know, yeah. and I know how it ends. And mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people did and a lot of people didn't, but um I think that, that that's one of the things that they just kind of and, and you know, every team has to find its own its own identity. I know that's cliche too, but you know, mm-hmm. it's the, the the this is not the same team that that won back to back Stanley Cups. This is not the same team that even went to the playoffs last year. So they they have to find that way. And and of course, you know, I, I've learned from covering hockey for for this many years that like it's it's not it's never about how this team is in December. You know, it's about how they morph into what they are in 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 March and April. So you know, I do think that the teams of the past and the John Cooper coach teams find that identity that forechecking mentality as the season goes along so which again makes december january february much more interesting this year than maybe years past you know like in the past we saw that kind of fall off you know when you're talking about right around the all-star break and, and right in between you know we, we've kind of seen that fall off and it almost seems like the lightning get bored a little bit but they're not going to be able to get bored they're gonna have to keep you know moving forward keep progressing finding that 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 identity but yeah i, I think that I, I just think that that it hasn't been a thing that it's, it's not it's not what they want to be because it's clear what they want to be because of the personnel they've they've they have and that they've added. But at the right. same time, they just kind of fall back. You know, they yeah. just and that's that's probably the best way to put it. Like they just kind of fall back sometimes in games, mm-hmm. and then you know they, they just kind of find themselves digging themselves out of a hole. And so, you know, but but hopefully that that will um like I said, I, I think that will come back. You know, in a sense over the course of the season because that's that's what John Cooper teams are, are really kind of based on. Yeah, and you make a good point. They can't forecheck if they're playing on their heels. So kind of getting a, getting a chance to stay ahead or stay even kill or stay leveled with a team will help them get back to their original identity. And it takes time to figure out what the at least the foundation of the lines will be. I know last week on iHeart when I was talking with Pat and Aaron, I just kind of mentioned the fact that there's some parallels or, or mirroring from this team to the Florida Panthers last year because Florida Panthers were not in the conversation of playoffs in the beginning of last season. Uh, they were giving up big leads. Um, they're, they were trying to be physical, but they were kind of wearing themselves out. And then all of a sudden yeah. the identity started to come together at the right time. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar pattern with this team. Now kind of diving a little deeper to one of the other big topics heading into last night's game, everyone freaking out about Victor Hedman, not being in the lineup with that upper body injury. I know last year when they had their West coast tour in October, Hedman picked up an upper body injury out of the mix. We saw Mikhail Sergachev start to shine. And because of the way that Mikhail Sergachev stepped up last season, a lot of weight on his shoulders heading into this season. So yesterday, that was kind of my my reference as to everybody breathe. Hedman's not in. Mikhail Sergachev can step up here and there. Darren Radish has been actually quite tremendous, especially with key block shots and crucial moments. Um, what did you see out of these guys last night? Kind of taking away the statistics of being outshot and you know outworked in other manners. What did you see out of the defense? Yeah, I honestly thought Mikhail Sergachev had one of his best games this year. And mm-hmm. I know it's, it's been a struggle for him this year. And, and, and he's another guy who there's there's no doubt that he has felt the pressure. And, and it's and it's not just the pressure of what he did last year. It's the pressure of, you know, a, a huge contract that now he, he has to, you know, live up to. And, um, you know, Victor Hedman is so important for everything that, that goes on with the Lightning. And that's not just on the ice, but it's off the ice, you know, um, I actually did, did a story on him for, 
for this week and on, on Tampa Bay.com and the Times. And, you know, just, you know, we, we had, we, you know, the defensemen don't get the the recognition they they deserve a lot, you know, because they don't score. They have the big numbers and, and stuff like that. But I think Tampa Bay and the, and the Lightning fan base definitely knows that knows the worth of, of a Victor Hedman and his value. So, um, and we saw that obviously a couple of weeks ago with, with the you know, one thousand game, um, you know, ceremony. But you know, he he keeps everyone calm back there, and w- without him, you just don't have that calm and. Mikhail Sergachev can become that guy. He's not that guy yet. You know, right. with Victor Hedman back there talking, you mentioned Darren Radish and, you know, he's like, he says, we know that if we mess up, you know, and, and we're kind of stuck on an Island somewhere that you've got this big six, six Swede who's three strides from the opposite blue line that can help you out on a back check, you know, and right. he's going to be there that, you know, he's so trustworthy. He knows, he knows where to be and stuff like that. And, and obviously he's had his struggles too earlier in the year, um, you know, getting used to the new system too. But, you know, the, the one thing with Hedman is, you know, he's going to eventually get it. And I think he has got it. And I think when, when, when you look at, at this kind of the evolution of this, this blue line and the defenseman core, you know, it, it starts with obviously 77, obviously, but, you know, the calm and, and the, and the patience and, you know, j- just everything that, that though the confidence that, trickles down starts up there, you know, and if he's cool, they can be cool, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I honestly think that he's probably the one guy, you know, with all due respect to all the other stars they have, you know, they, 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 they did okay without Andre Vasilevsky, you know, they didn't do as well as he thought, you know, they've gone an entire season without Nikita Kucherov, you know, they've gone massive, you know, amounts of time without Braden Point and Steven Samkos, but you take Victor Hedman out of the equation for a good, you know, month month and a half i think that's the one he's the one guy who really uh you know they he, it's, it's it's he's the hardest guy to replace there um yeah. and again but they, they do think that mikhail sergachev can be that guy you know is he yet probably not but he's only 25 years you know what is he 25 26 years old so mm-hmm. he's still got some time to make up i mean victor hedman didn't become the player that he became until you know three or four years into his career too so um but yeah i, I think but but the maturity of the defensive core, like I, said, I do think Radish has played a lot better. I think um, I think Calvin DeHaan's played noticeably better. Yeah. You know, and obviously he he's a guy who, you know, he's a guy who plays a game that's a quiet game. Like when he's playing well, you, you really shouldn't see him. But he's been noticeably you know better. I think mm-hmm. um, Eric Chernak. The, the biggest thing with him, I think, is his health. You know, as long as he's he's not you know having pucks hit him all over the place and and keep him out of games. I think he's good. Um, I think Nick Perbix has started to play well. I think he's been kind of a, a glaring guy that, that's had kind of a little bit of a, some sophomore struggles. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as a whole, again, the personnel's there. Like there, there's no doubt. I think this, I honestly think this is probably a better decor than they had last year, you know, and, and you know, I'm not gonna say two years ago, because I do think that this defense hasn't been the same since, you know, Ryan McDonough, McDonough left, but, you know, you don't really replace a Ryan McDonough. Um, mm-hmm. You have to work around it, but but yeah, I, I think that you know these guys will get better. You know, new system, um, and honestly, they they've got to get better. You know, mm-hmm. if, if this team has has a chance at, at doing what they want to do, they they do. They, they that that group has to get better. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I think that the core is just fine, and I think that this all just continues to play into the identity journey. Because with Dehan, you said something so important. Like, if you don't hear his name much, it doesn't mean that he's not really doing the work because he is tremendous. Um, I think before the last two weeks he started playing up a little too much and kind of getting caught um yep. and they couldn't really track back as well which that was him kind of stepping outside of his normal role his normal um confidence and then he dialed things back to the simplification of his game and he's been tremendous Perbix is getting over that hump with Sergey, you and i had a chance to kind of chat with him a few weeks ago yeah. do you think it's also kind of a confidence thing because i remember when i asked him about you know his name being popped around in the Norris Trophy conversation, and he was just kind of like it was. It he was so taken by that, um, yeah. but yeah, it was. You know, he did have I think a lone vote for that, and that just shows the potential that people see in him when they're not harping on the giveaways. But do you think for him, it's not only maturity, but it's a confidence issue at this moment because Anthony Sorelli is hot right now because he keeps having right. confidence building games. I don't think Sergey's had a chance to have so many confidence building games under his belt. And too, it, it, it's it's the it's the it's kind of the, the 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 role of a defenseman too. Again, like you you don't look up there and say, you know, you have a 
you know, five blocks and, you know, an assist, you know, that, that's a great game, you know, yes. and, and no turnovers. Right. But I mean, it, it, there's not these, you know, a hat trick isn't, you know, there's no hat trick for a defenseman. Right. I mean, very rarely there is. Right. But um, so, yeah, I, I do think there's been some confidence issues with, with, with Mikhail. I think that, you know, I, I think we saw that, like you said, when we, when we talked to him the other day, it was, um, you know, it, but, but Mikhail was in, in a lot of ways from, from my interaction from, he's such an honest person yeah. and he's very difficult. He's very hard on himself, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he, he's, he, he wants to be good. He wants to be the best. You know, he, he's learned basically at the altar of two of the greats in, in Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. And he knows that th this team expects him to be that next wave, you know, for the next, whatever it is, eight, eight years, you know, he, he's the next, he's supposed to be the next great lightning defenseman, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and so I, I think when, when the Norris Trophy conversation, he kind of tries to steer away from that because he doesn't want to think about that, even though he knows that that's it's kind of the way that they've, they, they, you know, that's kind of what, what's expected of him in terms of what he should become. Mm -hmm. um, but, but again, like it, it, the defenseman is tough because, you know, again, like I, I couldn't tell you what his stat line was yesterday, but I think, again, I think Mikhail played a great game last night. Um, but for him, it's for him. He, I, I talked to him earlier in the year, and I kind of actually, I guess it was during training camp, and he was saying about, you know, the, the big thing that he wanted to work on was really kind of his focus, and that, you know, as much as the Lightning encourage like pushing, you know, jumping up in the play, you know, not everyone can be Victor Hedman when it comes to that. He's the best at right. one of the best guys in the league of doing that, you know. So. And, and like you said, Calvin DeHaan maybe sometimes has tried to be that guy and, and realizes, oh, I can't be that. You know, not that's just not me. I, I can't, I can't get back on three strides like Victor Hedman can. You know, um, but I, I do think that that one thing that he's really focused on is that focus. He's like, there's been times when, you know, I'm, I'm playing out there and, you know, maybe I lose coverage and before I know it, a guy's behind me. We've seen that, right? We've seen that yeah. this year, but. Um, you know, I, I do think that a part of it is him knowing that, you know, and I think, you know, as, as much as the snowball has kind of, you know, gone downhill on, on, on Mikhail a little bit this season, the, the one thing that I think is positive is that he knows all that stuff. It's not like he's sitting in the clouds somewhere thinking that, you know, not happening. The wrong, the wrong, yeah, the wrong things. Yeah. Right. And so he, he, he knows where he needs to improve. He knows where he's got to get better. And again, like, and, and, and having said that, like, the Lightning have a gifted Mikhail Sergachev, you know, in, in the sense that they have a guy who is at his age, who has the offensive capabilities that he has, who can play in his own end and has the experience that, that he has. You know, but there's very few defensemen his age that have done what he's done, whether it's in terms of, you know, the experience, the success of winning two Stanley Cups and knowing what that's like. You know, there's, there's guys in this league who've won Norris trophies, who've won, you know, who've done all these great things, who scored, you know, a bunch of goals, who don't know what it's like to win games when it matters the most. And at Mikhail's age, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old, he knows how to do that. He played a huge role in both of those cup teams' performance, you know, and it was great for him because he was that third D, you know, he was a guy who, who played behind Hedman and, and McDonough and just, and, and he's such a watcher, he's such an absorber, he's such a sponge that, you know, that that's where I, see the faith if the fans need faith in Mikhail Sergachev I think that's where you get it from is mm -hmm. you know he's just been this guy who you know you know he's learned from those guys he still has a lot to you know transfer into his own game but at the same time like what, what more can you ask for from a from a young defenseman like that you know yes. you, to, to, to have the experience that he has and the and really kind of honestly the the real you know the the, the real honest knowledge of what he is and what he can become that, that Sergeyev does. I think that might be a little heavy, but like, I, no, I, but I, find, I think I told you this, like I find Mikhail the, one of the most fascinating guys on the team because Absolutely. he is not, there's a lot of depth to him and there's not just, he's not just a dude who just skates and block shots and scores, you know, he, there's a lot of depth to him in a lot of different ways.
Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you even bringing that perspective because I think it's important to remember the human aspect of these players because it does play into their game. And when you're as meticulous as Mikhail or as hard on yourself, you know, certain games can be chalked up to, to mentality or mental struggles and getting past those humps individually. And for a guy that carries so much depth, once he frees himself in his mind, he'll be able to play a different, you know, a, a, a larger style of hockey as well. So I stand by that. And I think that Mikhail Sergeyev is tremendous. He's very accountable. He knows his mistakes before anybody says it to him. That's for sure. And he doesn't ever really have an attitude about it. But you mentioned faith. And, and again, I'm glad one, that he one, Go ahead. Sorry. One thing, Casey, about, about, about you know, Sergeyev, I mean, like, those of us who are a little bit younger, like, we don't, we don't necessarily remember, you know, because it was a decade ago. Is it, it it did take Victor Hedman some time to become an elite defenseman, you know, yes. like overnight he would, I mean, you could probably compare Sergeyev's numbers early on to Victor Hedman's numbers and Sergeyev probably has better numbers. If you really look at like maybe the first four years, four or five years of their career. So yeah. you know, it, 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 everyone talks about in the NHL, becoming a great defenseman does not happen overnight. And it's, you know, even for the best of them, you know, Roman Yossi, you know, guys, all, all these guys, you know, you know, for every, you know, Adam Fox and Eric Carlson who just jump off the radar, you know, there's tons of guys who take a lot of time to really develop into, you know, elite defensemen. And, you know, I, I know the script of this is that when pucks go into their own net, 98 is around it a lot. You know, it's just, it's the visual of it. But right. I think, I think sometimes the fans have to think to themselves, like what you have in this guy is a great thing. Now, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is there a ton of pressure on him because of his contract? Sure. Like, does everyone look at these contracts now with the team kind of middling and, you know, in the, in the middle of the pack and wonder like, wow, what's our future? You know, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's better having this than it's having the alternative, you know, especially when you're con consistently trying to build a, trying to be a, a contender. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just had, had to say that. Before. No, it's it, we're again, we are having therapy right now for Bolts fans and this <laughs> information but it is important to point that out also because that is a big conversation with every game that Mikhail Sergachev isn't the most outstanding player on the ice it's this contract situation I don't chalk that up to a Mikhail issue I chalk that up to a JBB evaluation issue but that's something we could touch on in a little bit but kind of pivoting on the contract conversation you have Stamkos who grabs his 200 power play career goal last night he's well over 500 goals he has picked up where he left off I think last season and I think last season he made a tremendous case to remain in a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. Does he keep increasing his capital? And if he is, is this going to hurt his chances of remaining in a Lightning jersey? Or is this going to help his chances of remaining in a Lightning jersey? And I say hurt only because you've got a guy like Steven Samkos who's staying healthy. He's producing. You've got other teams hungry to get their claws into this guy. Um, what's your evaluation on him and the trade deadline coming up? Yeah, I mean, I saw the... Um you know, some of the, 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 like early projections on the free agency, you know, market of next, next uh, off season. And I think I saw Stamkos at like six or seven. And to me, like that sounded, you know, incredibly low, <laughs> but yeah. I know there's a lot of guys, guys out there this year, obviously Nylander and, and, and a few other guys that, you know, put up big numbers, but, you know, again, Steven Stamkos, I, I think the, the situation stays the same right now in the sense that both sides want him to stay here. You know, right. now obviously the reality and, and there's the reality of the situation, which is a, can you afford to keep them here? And two, you know, how this season plays out. You know, I mean, when, when Julian Breesball talked about, I need to see how this season plays out. He never said, well, I need to see if we're a playoff team or, if, or, or not, or I need mm -hmm. to see if, if, you know, at some point, you know, maybe I need to move Steven Stamkos if we're out of it, you know, right. and, and, but Julian Breesball is a gatherer of data. And he is looking at every single situation. And I do know that, you know, when you go back to these contracts, you know, a big part of them is that they're team friendly, a lot of them. So, you know, as much as, so, so when, when the Lightning made all these trades of trading their draft picks away to get mm -hmm. guys at the trade deadline to push for cups, they still looked at having contracts of their star players as being assets in the terms of, you know, they are team friendly they're great players still who can help other teams and that if they needed to, that they could be used as, you know, movable items to get back draft picks that maybe they lost. 
right. you know. So, um, I mean, I, 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 as recently as the past couple of days, I've heard these whispers about like, oh my God, are they going to trade Steven Stamkos at the deadline? He's going to be such a hot commodity. How can they not if they're, you know, not in it, you know, like slow, like tap the brakes a little bit on that so far. But, um, but again, there's, they, they have an uphill climb. There's no doubt, you know, um, this next, again, these next, you know, six weeks are pivotal in, in really kind of figuring out where they, where they are and, and how realistic this is. Um, because again, at the end of the day, you talk about Victor Hedman, we're going to be in the same situation with Victor Hedman next year, you know? Yep. So, um, you know, I, I do think that Steven Stamkos' numbers don't necessarily reflect how well he's played. Mm -hmm. um, and again, always with Steven Stamkos, a big caveat to him is going to be his health. And he's been healthy for the, for the most part. Obviously, he had a flu bug a couple of days ago, but you know, he's been on the ice. He's skated well. Um, and, and no doubt, you know, he's still got one of the hardest shots in the league. You know, there's, there's very few people outside of um, – you know, Alex Ovechkin, who can score goals from that left circle that as, as, as well as he can. And, and, and it's just, you know, he's Steven Stamkos, you know, I mean, he's, he was a little, he's been a little bit snake bit in the past, you know, probably month or so. Um, I, I can't tell you how many posts he's hit or how many, you know, like shots kind of just came off his stick wrong, you know, but uh, you know, he's sitting there 14 goals now after last night. And you think to yourself, you know, for given, how much has not gone his way this year. That's, that's a pretty good situation 30 games in to have, you know, 14 goals, you know, I mean, you're sitting, you're sitting pretty much at what a, you know, almost a 40, 50 goal pace right there. So, um, you know, I think, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out. I don't have the answers on, on how it's going to get, cause I don't think anyone knows really yeah. quite yet how this whole thing's going to shake out because you've got to see how, how, like Julian said in, in, what was it in July? You've got to see how it plays out. There's so many things really that could happen with Steven Stamkos in the next, uh, next few months. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's one thing that we've learned over the past couple of years is that once you think, you know what JVP is going to do, you actually have no idea. And we are right. always surprised at the trade deadline. Oh, no idea. <laughs> not, a, not a clue. We can come up with a bunch of scenarios and still be surprised. Um, let's get into some fan questions before we get to my favorite part, which is keep calm and carry on. Um, these are questions that were sent in on Instagram as well as Twitter. Will finding consistency in the lines help with the defensive struggles? This is from Bryant. Now, I will say this. Everyone on the Bolts roster is sitting in the negative column besides Nick Perbix at a plus one and uh, Flurry at a plus one as well. Yeah, um, I, I think... I think it, it, you know, consistency helps. And obviously like you, like we touched on, you know, these guys haven't played very much together as a group, you know? Right. So I do think that, you know, you, you get guys back, you get them starting to feel comfortable about themselves. I think it, it'll help, you know? Um, I think the big thing again, that's different is that they don't have time to mess around anymore. You know, like they're really kind of, they already, and as we sit here on, you know, what December 14th, 15th, face an uphill climb, you know, and, and it's hard to say that because they're still right there, but you know, the, the, the games at hand speak otherwise. But um, I, I do think that it, it'll help. I think that you, know, you really haven't seen that kind of consistency on lines and, you know, as much as Cooper do, is willing to do that, I do think he wants to stick with, with something that, that works. You know I mean? Yes. I, I think when you talk about the defensemen, like when they're, when they were going good, like even going years ago, you could, you could, guarantee you're penciling in the same pairings there, you yeah. know, and, and you could pencil in the, the same things. I mean, consistent lines means consistent play. So, right. you know, that's, uh, I think that'll, that'll help getting these guys all healthy, but knowing too, that, I mean, you're really lucky if you do have everyone healthy in hockey, you know, I mean, like you're always kind of, you know, tinkering with stuff to fill in for a guy and, and stuff like that. And the, the good thing about this team is it personnel wise, personnel wise, like we've mentioned before is they've been able to, to pretty much handle losing, you know, a, pr a pretty big piece, you know, again, like what was it two, three years ago when they lost Braden point for 30 games, you know, and they played really well. Again, the, the, the Kucher off year where they didn't have him for you know, the arguably the best player in the league for, for that long and, and still managed to make the playoffs. And then again, again, this team isn't, isn't a team that's trying to win a division. You know, they've been there, done that before, you know, they saw how that worked out. So, you know, they just want to be, as long as they're that eight team, you know, that that's really what they're working towards. 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think even though Cooper likes to throw lines in the blender, there's at least a foundation for him to go back to typically. And I think they're still trying to find that, but I couldn't agree more. Um, and we kind of touched on it earlier as well. Without the consistency, without the foundation, you've kind of got some players that are forced to change their style of game, like how Shiri had to play more defense versus contributing offensively. And that kind of trickles down throughout a lot of things. I know Tanner Janot is a physical presence, but the guy can add to the goal tally. So if he's constantly the only muscle out there, or if he's the fighter when Watson's not in the lineup, there's so many different elements to this that just kind of cause the guys to step out of their, their norm, step out of their skill set sometimes and readjust and get acclimated. But a foundation is important. But speaking of readjusting, speaking of changing up your style of game, the next question here is, will Coop continue to play Stamkos at center? Now, this is this is the home base for Steven Stamkos, and a lot of fans love him at center. Other fans love him outside on the wing. Uh, do you think that with the last couple of games – same coast might uh, maintain that center position. Yeah. So obviously Steven loves it there because he can work, you know, he has more space to work with, you know, he can use his skating to his advantage um, obviously versus being on the wing, you know, Steven's going to move around. I feel yeah. like, you know, I think that you know, on a, on a game to game basis, he's probably the one guy who him and Hagel are probably the two guys who I could see in a constant movement. And the reason is because they can handle it. You know I mean? Right. Um, but I, I do think that in the long run, the way that Cooper wants to win games, which is, you know, obviously there's three, two, two, one kind of games, like having the point Sorelli Paul combination down the top three probably matches up a little bit to, to that formula. You know, yeah. but again, but again, if they need I mean, and that's a great way. I, I do think that in, in a lot of ways, you know, we talk about some of the personnel, you know, Jano, Isaman, you know, all these kind of, you know, role guys. I do think that they're actually probably pretty, a lot more versatile than maybe they were last year, you know, like, and, yeah. and that's one of the, one of the ways that, that Julian wanted to get better is that he wanted those guys that he brought in to be able to say, okay, you can be a fourth line center, or you can be a third line wing, or you're kind of sure you can play up top, you know, you know, or you can play on, on the third or second line, you know, on, on the wing. So it's, you know, you got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. I don't even think we've seen a lot of what some of those guys can do. Like, you know, you mentioned, you know, like, you know, I, I love what he does in front of the net, you know, like when, yes. when we saw them tinkering with, uh, with the power play earlier in the season, you had to figure out a guy who was going to replace Alex Kalorn, Right. And they, they tinkered with Sorelli up there in the net front. They tinkered with, uh, Paul, who obviously became the guy there on the first unit, and they tinkered with Gino. And Gino didn't start on the power play earlier in the year, but now he's become that second, you know, net front guy on the power play. And like I said, like, you know, th there's more than just being a physical guy. You know, it's being that guy who can, you know, who has a good stick, who can clean up loose pucks and stuff like that. That's why they love Anthony Sorelli in the bumper spot so much. You know, it's like he's got a good stick. He's fast. He's, you know, he, he does everything for you. But you know, I, I do think that, that, you know, going back to the Samco's question is if you want to win games a certain way, you know, I think we can kind of see the, the correlation between Steven Stamkos' transition to wing and the way this team kind of, and this is a knock on Steven, but, you know, the way that this team won cups, you know, right. it was with, it was with certain guys at center and, and it's not to say that Steven can't play that game, but I do think that probably those three guys I mentioned like down the line and, Glenn Denning, obviously being the fourth guy, like in the middle, those are kind of the guys that you, the Cooper, I think, I mean, we heard him say that. I mean, I don't know if you were there in Toronto last year where after they won, I think it was maybe after one game one or two in Toronto, but you know, Toronto media is there. They're talking about how great it is that, you know, the, 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 the Leafs are three, three centers deep, you know, you've got Ryan O'Reilly is the third center. Like, how do you handle that? And, and it just like I could just see Cooper's wheels turning there when he's being asked that question because he's he he's says like, what about point, our yeah he's like yep. he's like I'll take point Sorelli point Sorelli and Paul any day against anyone in the league so yes. to me I think I always think about that when I think about Stephen like Stephen Stamkos at center I think he'll be there at times I think long term you know and I think he loves it there because he can work better and, and he feels like he gets more space and you know. Steven, I think when you look at Steven's struggles, they've all been based on the fact that he can't find space. You know, right. he can't, like, he, he's a guy who, 
you know, and, and whether that's on five on five or on the power play, you know, it's like, you know, guys, they, they you know, as much as you prepare for Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point and, and all these guys, like, you're still, you know, probably the one guy that you've got to really kind of compensate for going in is 91. So, you know, that's kind of why he loves playing center because he has so much freedom and space to work with. Now, having said that, I just think that just from listening to Coop talk all the time about how he likes to line it up, I think that, you know, long run, those are the three guys that he's going to run out there at center. Yeah, and I think with where the game is going and how it's translating these days, it makes the most sense to have, you know, those kind of players at center between the Sorelli and Pauls and and so on and so forth. I do get where Steven Samkos is coming from because when I played soccer, I hated being in a certain position at midfield. I just felt like I had like goggles on my, my peripheral would be different if I was at center mid versus left wing. And it just completely yeah. threw off my entire body language. But Steven Samkos is an all around all-star day in and day out, no matter where he's at. Now my favorite segment before I let you go, I call it keep calm or carry on. I will find random fan comments throughout social media and I'm just going to deliver it as it is written on social media. And we're basically going to gauge whether or not, the fan needs to keep calm, relax. It's not that big of a deal. Settle down or carry on. Continue in your rant. You're making a fair point here. So you can either elaborate if you want, or you can just say okay. whether you should keep calm or carry on. So first and foremost, this is not a surprise. Without Kucherov, this team would have like only three wins this season. Keep calm or carry on. <laughs> three wins is, I mean. Ridiculous. Would, would be, now, again, I would say. I would say keep calm because, you know, as as good as Nikita Kucherov his season, as good as the season he's had, and Brain Points had a really good, you know, the start to the year too. You know, mm-hmm. they're the, the reason that they've struggled is is because of the way they play defense. And part of that has been Nikita Kucherov sometimes. You know, and they give up um, Yeah, I mean, like we've seen we've seen Nikita like when Nikita's at his best, he's playing a two-way game. And when Nikita's at his best, he's also trying he, – he has that – Nikita Kucherov is both brilliance and chaos. <laughs> because, yes. <laughs> because he he's so good at what he does, and there's very few people who see the ice like he can. But at the same time, there's times when he tries to push the puck a little bit out of where it should be, and mm-hmm. it ends up going the other way, you know. And, you know, I think there's that, there's that fine line that he's he, – and he knows that he's got to find, you know I mean? Like I've seen him in the, in the, in the locker room after games where he's had four points and he's frustrated about the turnover he had, you know? And, um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not all or nothing with, with a guy like him, but, you know, I think in the terms of the defensive miscues that this team has had, there's enough to go around. And there's, I know we can point fingers at a lot of different guys, but like, or, but at the same time, you know, I don't know if they. I think they'd have probably more than, than three wins. Without him. Again, they much better team when when they did it without him for a whole year, um, a few years ago. But um, yeah, I, th- I think they'd have more than, than than three wins. I think I think that's a calm down. I'd I'd agree. Uh, settle down, settle down. Uh, the next one is we're losing Stamkos at the trade deadline. Keep calm or carry on. We talked about that. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's just, that's a hard one. Gonna... Yeah. There's so, there's so much that can happen <laughs> yeah, in the next few weeks that, um, I would, I would say, yeah, you know, let's, let, let's be a little controversial and say, carry on. Carry on. So, all right. Fair point. Lean into that one. The next one is Vassy returning was supposed to bring this team back to life. It's not happening. Keep calm or carry on. Well, Again, I think Coop's mentioned a bunch of times. I think he knows the exact amount of dates that uh, that, that Vasilevsky missed because he keeps on saying 207 dates, which is not a very exact number. But um, again, this isn't like I come I come from covering baseball before I covered hockey, and like when you're out for two months, like you go on a rehab assignment and you face minor league pitching or you know minor league yeah, minor league pitching for you know two weeks, and you get your timing back and you come back and you're ready to go. In hockey, they really don't do that for goaltenders, so. 
you know, he's had to kind of learn on, he's had to get all that stuff back on the fly. And you know, I talked to him in Nashville last week and, and we sat down, we kind of talked about some of that stuff and, you know, Vassy's a lot like Sergey in the sense that, you know, he, he's very tough on himself and he wants to be the best. And that's a part of the reason why he is the best, but, yeah. um, you know, but, but I think that you combine his, the injury, the way he got hurt and having to miss these last two months, you know, when his team needed him and, He's kind of, you know, had this maturation, you know, internally where he's kind of like, you know, pushing forward isn't always the right answer. Is that you know you've got to be patient, and and that goes into you know coming back. So uh, I, I think that you know what is it seven, eight, nine games right now that, that maybe he's back. You know, and obviously last night was I would say his best game yet since he's since he's been back. Which, the way that he made some of those saves and, you know, we, anytime you say make 54, 53 saves, I think uh, you can, you can put that on your mantle. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky shouldn't be the concern on this team. Um, I think, you know, again, it's the way they play in front of him, whether, you know, and obviously him having him there should help because they, sh and that's not a knock on Johansson or Tompkins or anything like that, but they're just not Andre Vasilevsky. So, you know, right. they're, they're not, your teammates aren't going to have the faith in you that that they have in, in Andre Vasilevsky because he's done it, you know. And uh, but Andre Vasilevsky should—I don't think we should be worried about him. Um, and even on nights when he's off and he's been off a few nights, you know, we see him come right back. You know, that's the yeah. one thing about him is that he he never he never it never snowballs with him. He's always, you know, if he has a bad night, he comes back and. Yeah, I don't know if Coop should have kept him in in that Dallas game for two periods, but you know, I know his reasoning behind it. And I actually asked him that the day after. I was like, you know, was part of it because you wanted him to see more pucks? You know, like because that's you can't you can't duplicate that, right? So, and he said no, but then a couple of days later he said yeah. So um, <laughs> that's very yeah. Cooper. It's very yeah, very Cooper. Yeah, depending on the time of the question, we know where he yeah. likes to lean. On, um, on his honesty. But, okay, this one I thought was a little rude, but we'll see. So we'll go with Keep Calm on Vassy. This okay, one yeah. is Matthews hit a batted pass in his first game of the season. I'm not impressed by Stamkos. Why? It's a, Why are people it's like a, this? It's, it's a skill. I mean, it's, it's I mean, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to, how to respond to that one. Stuus did it like it, it, it's not a who did it first kind of thing it's the it's the doing it part yeah um, the guys do it yeah I mean it's not right. I mean it's a it's a, it's a thing I mean honestly I, I, I have to go back and look at the Matthews goal but I mean when you look at both of Stamkos's feet they're both behind the the goal line basically I think maybe a bit angle. of his right skate is there so it's like again coming from a baseball background you know it's a round ball versus a <laughs> you know, a, a puck, you know, so yeah. being able to like swing that and, and, and be the guy short play everywhere else. Cause right. I be the guy short side, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like he was, he had that, that much, you know, room there to, to beat him. And, you know, I thought, I mean, I thought, and again, like, again, I think Steven would tell you like, you know, it wasn't pretty, but like, those are the goals I need right now, you know? And, yeah. and you know, so, so get it done. You know I mean? Like I, I kind of like that attitude, because, you know, and, and you looked at, you know, you look at the, the other goal that he scores where he pulls up at the right inside the blue line and just, you know, that was a brilliant play because, and That's I don't even know how, I would love to know how much he, he, he kind of choreographed that because it all was perfect because you've got Bouchard kind of coming across and basically screening for him and, and he just puts on the brakes and no one knows he's going to shoot there and he's still got a good <laughs> shot. I mean, that shot's still coming in it you know, 80, 90 miles an hour. So, you know, and with a screen where the, the goaltender has no idea where it is, he, he can't track it. And um, so the, and the thing is like, I, I, so is that, is that creativity or is it just feel or is it, you know, but I mean, the great ones is figure out ways to do it. I mean, whether it's Matthews, whether it's, you know, Stamkos, whatever. I mean, like, like you're going to see those kind of goals from those kind of guys because, they just have such, you know, creativity on the ice. You know, like I said, both of those are yeah. like, very different plays, but both like super cool to see. I mean, when I when I, I mean, both those ones, I I was like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. 
I think it chalks up as impressive. I think it's a combo of creativity and intuition because you got to know yeah. the right moment to do it without overthinking it either. So you definitely have to feel it. You have to feel it. Right. And there was a no one was... that I love to it. What were you saying? I was saying, there's like no one thought he was pulling up at the blue at the blue line like that. You know what I mean? No, no one, you know. No. But um, yeah. Yeah. So this fan needs to just calm down, settle down, yeah. settle down. Settle down. Um, this one just made me chuckle, but we'll see. Can this team just be normal for once, please? No, no. no. I don't think it's ever been the DNA of this team, but this Absolutely one made not. me laugh. There's no like no. What's no. normal? What, what is what would what be normal? Tampa Bay Lightning normal. Like if we had to pretend like that was a thing, what what does that look like? I, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I, I've been on this beat for four years now, and I don't know what. I mean, like, and and admittedly, there's been times when I thought they were dead in the water, and that's why I've learned never to count them out. Like I've, I think, I mean, the the best example was, you know, that Toronto series two years ago. I thought they were done. You know, it was like just the way that, you know. Toronto, I was like, this is a year that Toronto's going to do it. And, you know, I just, I just oh, thought true. there's so many playoff series when I thought they were done and, and they just don't, they just don't go away. And, um, but I mean, but no, I don't, I don't know what normal is. I don't think there's a sense of normal in this organization since that president's president's trophy season. You know I mean? Like it's just, and, no. and, and you just have to be prepared. Like you, like you open this whole thing with is like buckle up and prepare for a ride because that's what they take you on day to day, game to game, you know, shift to shift. You don't know if it's the same ride, but it's going to be a ride. It's always something. It's going to be different. a ride. There's, I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, Casey, I, we'd have to figure that one out because I really don't know what normal is. Really, <laughs> We're going to circle back to this one and see if there was ever yeah. like any kind of normalcy here, but this fan is going to have to go into the keep calm category as well because I have a known <laughs> team and I've covered them for five years now. Um, I think this is a perfect way to close this out as well as the segment. This is in the all caps, by the way, so the passion is there. This is still one of the most talented rosters in the league, I-D-G-A-F. Yeah. <laughs> all caps. All caps. That came in, the entire sentence. They are. I mean, like, there's there's no doubt they have, they have some of the best skill in the league. I mean, like, other teams are catching up. Right. And I think that even without – like the roster and the skill and stuff like that. Like the one thing that they've had the bullseye, they've had the bullseye on them for several years, you know, and teams, if, if you look at, at the way teams have kind of stopped them offensively is they pack in the middle and they don't give them shots around. Like that's how, you know, Braden points had a tough time getting looks, you know, I mean, at certain times. So we talked about Stamkos trying to find, get open, you know, um, that's why Kucherov and Hedman are so important with, with some of this stuff. Cause they open, they open the space up, but um but, but what's the alternative? I mean, the, but you have those guys. Like you have these high-end guys, and then no matter what anyone says, as long as you have 88 back there, you've got a shot. Yep. And you know, I, I think you know when they built this team, it, it was designed the right way. It was around, and, and Julian always talks about this: is that you know when you have this unique opportunity to to have these stars on your elite talent on your team at the peak of their careers. Uh, all together it's it's so rare and obviously they're they're different ages you know like stamkos is different than point you know but you know they're all right at the right right point in their careers so th that's the hard part of building a team the easy part is assembling as, as much as we talk about the cap gymnastics and stuff like that the easy part is building around them so um and by no means are they like i said like i'll always go back and be like they're not the same team about ryan mcdonough because like I think Ryan McDonough was such a rock back there in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, it, it, they obviously lost guys. Alex Kalorns left a big void this year, I think. Um, but I, I do think they have the talent as, as, as just as much talent as anyone else in this league. And there's a lot of talented teams out there. You know I mean? Like they, they played one of, one of the most talented ones last night and you know, put up seven on them. So um you know, and, and, and there's a lot of talented teams in this division. So, um, and in this conference, so it, it's going to be, again, like we said before, you know, it's, it's going to be a ride because uh, we'll have to see what, what, what they, what kind of ride they take us on and then how bumpy it's going to be, but it, oh it might God. be bumpy, but I think we'll it'll be bumpy, but I think it'll end up being worth it in some aspect. I tell this fan, carry yeah. on with your, with your, with your all caps. I still think this is a very talented group. 
I also think that you mentioned something so interesting as to how this team is built around these guys being in the right part of their career at the right time to elevate. But then you've got guys that are going to come in and learn from these players at a peak point of their career. And I think it's sure. just going to go from there. AC Mont is growing. Tanner Janot just needs to find his proper role at uh, his proper role here. Connor Sheary was paid for, for a reason. So getting those pieces on board, this is a very talented roster that can compete in the East. Um, I stand by that. So Ed, I cannot thank you enough for the fan questions, the insight, calming down the emotions of most Bolts fans, I would say, because there's always going to be somebody who still doesn't like the turbulence of this ride. Guys, please make sure you go follow at Eddie in the yard. And most importantly, look out for the article dropping on Sunday, getting in depth with the top defenseman in the league forever and ever. That's Victor Hedman, 1000th game, still a pillar on this team, recovering from an upper body injury. Hopefully we'll see him in the next few games here, but no rush because the Bolts are doing just fine without him. And I, I think they learn a lot more when a guy goes down and they have to rally and make these adjustments. So give a follow over to Ed. Make sure you're following at the sports case as K-A-S-E and case in the league. Here on Believe Network. Until next time, guys, I'm Casey Hudson, and I'll catch you on the other side.